and also to 1 John chapter 4. So the same author, two different books. We're going to be looking today at as our hearts are expectant for Jesus to return, the confidence that we can have because of his love toward us. Because he has shown his love, because his love has been placed on his people, we can now have confidence before him. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we come to God's word. Father, I pray that you would now still our hearts before you, that we would be still and know that you are God, that we would desire more than anything to be fed by you today, or that we would not seek the wisdom of the world, but instead today we would seek to know and believe and trust and be confident in Christ and in Christ alone. So give us faith. We believe, now help us believe. Give us grace, because in your grace we stand. And transform us by your power, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been raised in the church any length of time, if you were a kid in the church, you heard John 3.16, you heard it probably with the word begotten at some point, and you wondered what that even meant, right? You've heard John 3.16, you've heard the truth of God's love for a long time if you've been in the church. If you're here and you're new and Christianity or just the idea of church and Jesus is new to you, you may have been asking yourself, am I loved? Am I loved by God? And today I want to answer that question unequivocally from God's word that we are loved by God. And yet the experience of God's love is going to be very different for different people. How we experience God's love and how we know God's love and how it's manifested is going to be based on his grace and faith. And we need to understand this reality. So in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a religious leader, a guy who should know better, for lack of a better way of putting it. He's a religious ruler. He's a ruler of the people. He's one of the Pharisees. His name is Nicodemus. And Jesus is talking to him. Nicodemus has come and says that, hey, we know you're from God because you couldn't do the things that you do, Jesus, if you weren't from God. And Jesus just kind of drops the atom bomb of new birth and new life into the lap of Nicodemus and begins to blow up his whole concept of how God works in the world. And it's it's appropriate for us at this time of the year as we celebrate the fact that Jesus has come and that Jesus is coming again, as we look back to the fact that Jesus has come and we have a Messiah, we have a King, we have a Savior, we have a Redeemer, we have a Rescuer, but also we look forward to the day when our Rescuer returns and he, he fulfills all that He has promised, when we actually get to see all the things that we believe when they become sight. So I want us today to look at the love of God. So I'm going to ask you to turn John chapter 3. I want you to begin with verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. So pat Jesus on the back, right? Good job, Jesus. We know how great you are. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, You are not smart. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless... (laughs) That's... It should be there almost. You kind of feel that way. Like, Jesus, you just see the... You almost kind of hear the exasperation. Right? He just goes, truly, truly. When, when Jesus is saying truly, truly, not only does he want us to pay attention, but you can know how wrong the person is that Jesus is talking to. Right? Are you with me? So he's looking at Nicodemus and going, you don't get it. Truly, 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 I say to you, unless 
one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Now, interestingly, this is what Jesus had just told him. You can't understand this and you don't know how because you are of the flesh. And Nicodemus's question is, how? This, is, this conversation is not going well. Right. But Nicodemus is stuck in his fleshly mind, in his limit limitations as a human being, trying to understand what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Nicodemus becomes a fulfillment of what John 1 says. And he came to his people and his people did not receive him. And Nicodemus in this moment is one who is a, is just an illustration of the people of God that God came to, Jesus came to, and yet they did not receive him. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Today I want you to see the love of God at work. I want you to see the character of God's love and how God's love has been demonstrated, made manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. The the same writer of John's gospel, John himself would write in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And then he says this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us. This is how we know, this is how we experience his love, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to pay for our sins, to take the wrath of God for our sins away from us, to stand between us and God's wrath and to take that wrath upon himself. This is what love looks like. When we begin to understand this love, when this love begins to take root, and we begin to experience this love. It's transformative. So let's just spend a few moments looking at the love of God. Let's look at the nature of the love of God. First, I want you to see the exclusive nature of the love of God. Now, we love the fact that verse 16 tells us, For God so loved the world, and we love the whoever's. And we should love those things, but there's an 
exclusivity that you have to understand before you understand the inclusivity of God's love. You have to understand how exclusive God is before you can understand who he includes. Okay? So let's make sure we understand this. Look at the first two words of verse 16 of chapter 3. For God, not for your idea of love, is what's happening here. For God, only God can love this way. The exclusive nature of the love of God is only God can do it. 1 John 4 tells us we can't love unless we're loved. We don't know what love is unless we're loved. God loved us so we can love. Only God can love in this way. Only God's love has the type of power that can take people out of darkness into light, out of death into life. Our power can't do that. Our love can't do this, right? So you fall in love. Anybody ever fall in love with somebody that your mom and dad said you shouldn't be with them? Anybody ever do that? It wasn't Joanie. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> My parents were like, finally. Right? It came to Joanie. No, no. I mean, I, and it was one of those things where, what did you say? Ladies, you were the, you were, you're famous for this. I'll change him. If I just love him, I'll change him. How's that work? Okay. Everybody with me? You don't have a type of love that can actually redeem and change someone. Only God can do that. Only God's love has that power. Only God can reveal himself in love for us to understand. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Hey, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus is going, how do I get that done? Can I jump back into my mom's womb? Like, tell me how to do it. I'll do it. And Jesus is saying, you can't. Like, it's like the wind. You don't even know how it happens. Think about how you got saved. You can point to somebody who shared the gospel with you, right? You can point to maybe being raised in church. But who shared the gospel with the person who shared the gospel with you? And how much control did you have over that? Just go back a little bit further. Who chose their parents, right? Who chose where you were going to be born? Who... Think about this. God has been working and moving for you to be here today. And he's been blowing the wind of change and wind of redemption into your life. And here is Nicodemus saying, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? Tell me, what, what do I do? And Jesus is saying, it's not you. God's love is on display here. Not our power. Only God can reveal himself in love for us to understand. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, I'm telling you of earthly things and you don't get it. Do you really think you're going to understand eternal heavenly things? Let's just think about our level of comprehension. Anybody? Like tax code. Everybody got that one down? No? No? But even though death and taxes are the only two things that are certain in life, right? I mean, the reality is how how deep and how wide and how high is the love of God. Can you really understand it? In your earthly, finite way of looking at the world, in your earthly wisdom, no, you're, you look at things in the flesh and you're going to only get fleshly things. Here's how exclusive the nature of God's love is. Only God can love this way. And His love is only made manifest 
for our redemption, for the power in our lives to transform us, to save us. It's only experienced and found in Jesus. 1 John 4 tells us really plainly, doesn't it? In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. His only begotten Son. That word begotten is fantastic, right? If you, if you go back to the King James, you go back to... The idea of begotten says something that, that I think we sometimes miss. Like, we, we go... So C.S. Lewis put it this way. I'll just give you this. You ready? Rabbits beget rabbits. God begets God. That's how astounding this reality is. That what God the Father has done is giving, given us God the Son. This is the beauty. This is the exclusivity of God's love. There is a nature to it that we cannot do. I mean, in fact, we wouldn't. I've said this before to you. I'll say it again. If I came up with the plan for the redemption of mankind, it would not involve my child. What great love this is that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. That He would have His Son make us His children. Only God. But here's the good news. Continues. Not only can God be the only one who can love this way, but He includes all types of people. There's an inclusive nature to God's love as well. Look back at verse 16 in chapter 3. You know it well. For God so loved the world. Now, let's make sure we understand what we're talking about when we say so loved. Okay? And we've got to make sure we understand what we mean by the world. Okay, because these are important words. Okay, maybe you were raised to understand this. For God loved the world so much. Does that sound familiar to anyone? It's just not what it means, though. Okay, so I want to make sure we understand this. The idea here is this is a type of how God manifested His love. It goes back to First John chapter four. This is love that God sent His Son. So think of it this way: For God in this way loved the world. Everybody with me? And God in this way loved the Now, do I think God loves the world so much? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. He created us. He made us in His image. He has set His love upon us. If He didn't love us, we wouldn't be here. Okay? So, do I believe God loved the world and loves the world so much? Yes. But this, this verse is telling us God in this way loved the world. There's an inclusive nature to God's love because it's for all nations. It's for the whole world. You can honestly look at anybody on this planet at any point and tell them God loves you. Because God loves the world. But that doesn't mean that every single person on this planet is going to experience the manifestation of God's love. Because God manifested His love in sending Jesus. And unless someone, some would believe on Jesus, they will not experience 
that love. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? So have you ever given love to someone that you loved and they didn't receive it as love? I'm famous for this in my marriage, by the way. My wife loves me and I go, what's wrong with you? Right? Anybody given a gift in love to someone and they didn't appreciate it? No, no, none of you have ever done that. This is when all the wives are supposed to be looking at their husband. Remember last week? You know, that's what's supposed to happen right now. You know what I'm talking about. You demonstrate love to people, but they don't receive it as love. Right? I mean, they, they might even receive it as condemnation. You think something's wrong with me that I can't do that for myself? I mean, this is the reality of God's love towards us. It's for the whole world, but it's only going to be experienced by those who believe. It's only going to be manifested to those who see Jesus as Jesus, as the Son of God, as the Redeemer, as the Savior, as the gift. For God in this way loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes. So there's an inclusive nature. It's for all who believe. The issue is there aren't going to be everybody believing. There's not going to be everybody believing. Not everyone is going to believe. Jesus goes on to say that afterwards, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. So this whoever can't be a everybody believes. Are, are you with me? Because he uses the same word two verses later to say there are those who don't believe. Is everybody with me? Everybody follow me? Here, here's what we're talking about. Belief. Faith in Jesus. Faith in the gift of God's Son. Faith in the one given is going to allow us to experience His love. Flip back over to John chapter 1. This is what it looks like. This is what was said of Jesus in the beginning. Verse 1 was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All good news. And you go down to verse 9, and the true light, which, which gives light to everyone. You with me? Everyone gets the light, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. By no good deeds of their own, in fact, John Three tells us that even the good works of those who do come into the light are carried out in God. It's His power that accomplishes those. By no good works of their own, people are given the grace of God to be able to believe in God so that they might be accepted and received by God. What good news! God includes those who would believe and He actually gives the grace to believe. That's what Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 tells us. By grace you've been saved, through faith. This, that, whole thing, it's not of yourself, it's a gift. It's not good news. That God loves in such a way that He includes those who believe for those who would come into the light. And then He gives the power to believe and to come into the light. <laughs> That's love. But here's another little picture of what it looks like. And it's right here. Look at, look at verse 14. 
As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This whoever, this inclusivity, this belief becomes key, and yet belief is, and the whoever is limited, isn't it? By those who would look at the one lifted up and trust him and believe him. Remember back in the Old Testament, this is what happened. The people were dying. And God gave a way of redemption, a way of salvation, a way to be healed. All they had to do was look at the serpent on the stick that Moses raised up. That was raised up among them. All they had to do was look at it in faith, knowing that God was going to redeem them. And now Jesus is the one who has been sent, the one who has been given to redeem the one who has been given to be lifted up that we might believe. It's good news that only God can love this way. And it's good news that God's love is so powerful and so inclusive that it's for all peoples, all nations, that there will be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation around the throne. Think back to the Old Testament. When God called out His people Israel at the day that the, that the temple was being consecrated what was it said this will be a house of prayer for the nations he told his people the israelites you will be a light to the nations this has been god's desire and god's plan to include people from every tribe, tongue, and nation by being exclusive in his love and him being the only redeemer So Jesus would put it this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but through me. Which leads us to the third part, the third nature of God's love. The redeeming nature of God's love. Look back at verse 16 of chapter 3. For God so loved the world. God in this way loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The purpose of God's love is to save, is to redeem, is to transform, is to take people out of darkness into light, to keep the dark dwellers and to save them from themselves, save them from their condemnation, save them from their death, save them from their sin. The purpose of God's love is to save, but look back at it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and here's what happens. That whoever believes in him should have eternal life, but those who don't believe in him remain in death. You don't get death. You have death. Is everybody with me? That's what you have before Jesus. It's not Jesus goes, here's death. It's you get death. You have death. That's what you have. He goes on to say, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe, already condemned. Because you haven't believed. Death is yours. And his love says, I'm taking death away and replacing it with life. His purpose is to save. Now, the way he does that is is different than the way I would have done it because I am not holy and I am not perfect and I am not God. And so in his exclusive love, this is the way he does it. The holiness of his love means he's got to deal with sin. 
not overlook sin. Romans 3 tells us that it's because he had overlooked sin. Because he had looked at guys like David and said, you can remain king even after all that stuff you did. Because Adam and Eve were not killed immediately when they rebelled. Right? That because of that, all of creation could look at God and say, are you really just and fair and holy? So what did he do? He gave his only begotten son. This is the love of God that Jesus would be the propitiation for our sins, would be the one who would pay for our sins, who would take the wrath of God for our sins. The holiness of God's love will deal with sin. This is very different than the way the rest of religions work. Okay? Give you an example. Okay? If you go into Islam, at the end of your life in Islam, here's what's going to happen. This is what is said. There's going to be a grand scale at the end of your life. And on one side, all the good things if you've done will be on one side. And on the other side will be all the bad things that you've done. Okay? And if at the end of your life the good things outweigh the bad things, then all the bad things just go away and you get the credit for the good things. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? Except you have no idea how many good things and bad things you've done. You just hope. Right, And so that's why they strap bombs to themselves because they're told that that's a good thing that overrides a whole bunch of bad things. Everybody with me? Okay, This is the reality of what happens when we take this on ourselves and the scales of justice and holiness are on our terms. Are you with me? This is what happens. And at the end of your life, here's what happens. It's said that Allah then says, no worries about the bad stuff you did. You know what I asked a Muslim guy in, in Morocco one day? How could you ever believe in a God who is not holy and who does not hate sin? And he said, what do you mean? Allah hates sin. I said, no, he doesn't. He's totally fine with it existing and not being dealt with. Because that's what you believe is going to happen at the end of your life. You don't have to pay for the sin. Nobody has to pay for the sin. It just gets wiped off your record. This is how holy God is. He doesn't say, no big deal to our sins. He says, here's my only son. To pay for your sins. God's holiness in His love. The fact that He gave His only son as payment, as propitiation for our sins. And then, not only that, not only does He pay for our sins, He then forgives us our iniquities. And by forgiving us, He doesn't just say, your slate is wiped clean. He credits all of Jesus' goodness to us. All of Jesus' righteousness to us. Paul would put it this way. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's, that's, that's mind-blowing that what Jesus represents in His death and resurrection is the payment and forgiveness of our sins because God is holy in His love. That is not the way I would do it. It proves once again the exclusivity of God's love. Look back at the passage. Look back at verse 16 again. You know this verse well. Well, We're going to drill it into your head today. For God so loved, God in this way loved the world that He gave His only Son. Hmm. You want to know how great the price is that had to be paid for our redemption? You want to know how bad your sin was? 
You know how great you want to know how great the love of God is? Don't look at the quality of the person who gets the gift. Look at the quality of the gift. His only begotten Son. R.C. Sproul put it this way, loving a holy God is beyond our moral power. The only kind of God we can love by our sinful nature is an unholy God, an idol made by our own hands. Unless we are born of the Spirit of God, unless God sheds His holy love in our hearts, unless He stoops in His grace to change our hearts, we will not love Him. To love a holy God requires grace, grace strong enough to pierce our hardened hearts and awaken our dying souls. We are bound for death. And God loves. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God. The depth of God's love is shown in the quality of the gift. His only begotten Son. Which brings us to this reality that we have to deal with. There is a danger in rejecting God's love. Now, remember what we talked about? God gives love. Some people don't receive it as love. <laughs> they see it as judgment. You know, so Jesus died for my sins. How, how crass an idea is that, people would say. That I can't deal with my own stuff. That I can't pay for my own sins. People don't see God's love demonstrated in Jesus as love. And so I don't ask people, why would you reject the living God of the universe? I ask them, why would you reject His love? He's loving you. When did we become the ones who get to decide what God's love looks like? But isn't that what we're doing when we reject Jesus? His love is made manifest in this, that He sent His Son into the world. Jesus is the manifestation of God's love. Who are you and who am I? to think we get to determine what that love looks like. And yet, millions upon millions, billions upon billions have and will reject Him. And there is a true danger in rejecting God's love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, should not be condemned, He goes on to say, should not be in the darkness Remaining in darkness is a danger. Remaining in condemnation is a danger. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no, therefore no more condemnation for us. But for those who aren't, there is condemnation. There's a remaining in death. But God. But God. Folks, I don't want to walk too quickly by this danger because this danger is for everyone. And there's a true danger for those of us who have been in church our whole lives. And that danger is that we don't look to Jesus, but we look to what we've done. The danger is that we look to our religiousness. We look to what we know and what we can answer and what questions can be answered. I was the kid who knew every answer to every question in, in Sunday school. I know that comes as a shock to everyone that I was the one who wanted to raise my hand all the time and answer questions, right? Shocker, right? And I trusted that. I trusted that for a really long time in my life, that I knew all the answers. 
but I didn't know Jesus. I could point in confidence to all the things I had done. And yet in my heart, I had no confidence because it was on shifting sand. There's a danger of remaining in darkness, a danger of remaining in condemnation, a danger of remaining in death. But there is power in God's love. Look back at the verse. For God so loved, God in this way loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. His provision of salvation and redemption is eternal. The other option, eternal perishing. His love provides salvation that is eternal. His plans of love are perfect. He has been doing this. He points back in verse 14 to something that happened hundreds if not thousands of years before, right? It says, and in that moment, God was setting the stage for what Jesus would do. When He called out His people Israel, He was calling out a people from whom His King, His Savior, our Redeemer would come. His plans of love are perfect. His own goodness, His own love, even does good work for us. Look down at verse 21. Whoever does what is true comes into the light. That sounds really good. And when you come into the light, here's what becomes clear. So that it may be clearly seen that His works have been carried out in God. That God has done this. Ephesians 2.10 tells us the same thing. 8 and 9 tells us we've been saved by grace through faith and it's a gift. We're not to boast. We can't boast because He did it, right? And verse 10 tells us what? We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Anybody know what's next? That He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right? Mind-blowing that what God has done in the power of His love is to give you eternal salvation, to give you a perfect redemption, and then even to do the good works within you by His power. He lays out the path for you to walk in, and then every good work that you do in the light of His path is evidence of His doing. Which tells us and should give us confidence that His love is inseparable from us. Who can separate us from the love of God? So I just wonder, what's your confidence when you stand before Jesus? When you stand before Jesus in judgment, will your confidence be in Jesus? What better place to place your confidence than in the judge who is good. Here's the thing. Our Redeemer is the judge. Is that not good news for us? What kind of love is that? That the judge is the Redeemer and the Redeemer is the judge. Oh, that we would have confidence. And only God's love can bring that. God's love manifested 
in Jesus. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You realize the goal of Him loving you is to put His love on display. (laughs) Is He going to fail at that? Stand in confidence in Jesus, the manifestation of God's love. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God. Father, I thank you. Thank you that we stand in grace, that we stand in love, that we have Jesus, the manifestation of your love. Thank you that you have lifted us out of death into life. And for anyone here today who has not been lifted out of darkness into light, out of death into life, I pray that today would be the day of salvation where you would declare to them your righteousness, your holiness, your perfection, and your love in Jesus. Draw them by your grace to faith. And for those of us who have walked with you for years, we believe. Now help us in our unbelief. We pray because of your great love. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing of his.